We've mentioned a few times on the podcast that there's a shift in cannabis in terms of equity and debt and financing, that there's more um, investors that are feeling that the industry is moving in a more um, normal way that is maturing and therefore they're willing to take on debt instead of equity. So we're gonna take a look at this graph from Viridian Capital Advisors about the significant uh, shift in cannabis debt issuance from uh, equity linked debt traditionally to straight debt with no equity at all. And so reflecting that the, the industry is kind of growing, it is maturing, there is some profitability, at least in the US, we're gonna talk about all of that coming up. It's only entertainment. Welcome back to The Talking Hedge. I'm Josh Kincaid, Capital Markets Analyst and host of your Cannabis Business Podcast. All right, so we're going to go back to 2018 uh, with the light green on the graph kind of representing the debt. So it's either convertible or warrants uh, with greater than 20%. So dark green bars representing the straight coupon debt with no equity at all. And so looking way back in 2018, that early debt issues, uh, those were convertible debts, meaning that uh, a convertible note is a personal debt. And if you don't pay it back, then you personally owe it. And that's kind of how lending was done early on in the cannabis industry before people really uh, saw any monetary value behind the shares that they were issuing. So you don't see convertible debt hardly at all anymore. Um, because there's just not that many startups that uh, don't warrant that kind of confidence in investors. So um, many had issued like a, a, a additional warrants. Now warrants are, um, uh, they have contingencies on them. So if certain milestones are met, then this happens. So you don't see a lot of warrants because m from my experience, most of the time uh, warrants are uh, dilutive. They're not technically worth it and the triggers to create warrants um, either don't happen or again, it's not worth it. So most of the time that I've seen warrants just really aren't worth it. Back then you also saw a lot of companies that were EB to negative. That's their earnings before interest, taxes, depreciation, amortization. They couldn't pay those interest rates. Uh, they had like 20 something, 30 something percent, 40% interest rates. And so their EBITDA negative was, um, it couldn't pay interest rates high enough to compensate leaders for taking essentially equity risks. So those investors weren't willing to, they were going to take some uh, personal notes, that convertible note, uh, and that was going to be their um, peace of mind, if you will. In the US, um, a lot of those MSOs didn't become EBITDA positive until last year in 2020 with the whole kind of onset and then everything sort of worked out with the pandemic. Since then, you've kind of seen straight debt sort of taking off. People are accepting it. Um, and like I've mentioned before, I personally think it's because some investors don't do their due diligence and they're willing to take anything that they can get. So some of this in general means the market is maturing and this is great and, and equity is just as normal as uh, debt is as normal as, as equity. But I also think that this is FOMO. Uh, investors are rushing in to get whatever they can and they're not doing their due diligence. 
uh, for the most part. It's, I, I mean, it's hard to imagine that, but a lot of these um, investors are just gamblers. They throw money at the system and then uh, they just wait for one of them to work. And I'm talking about like famous investors too, that you would be surprised. I'm not going to like drop names or whatever, but a lot of these guys don't do their due diligence at all. This US uh, MSO uh, positive uh, earnings came with cure relief in uh, December of 2020. And then that followed shortly by $100 million, $120 million deals by Cresco and TerraSend. Most of those MSOs, though, including Ascend and AR Well uh, Wellness, Cresco, Cure Leaf, Jushi, TerraSend, True Leaf, Verano, they've all completed straight coupon issues of $100 million plus sizes at really, really good rates between 8 and 10%. This is like a fraction of what it used to be. You'd get 20, 30, 40%. No, like no problem. I remember just a few years ago, people were wanting 40% return. Um, like 2018, 2019, it was crazy. I was sitting with an investor uh, in Seattle who wanted 40% return. So the ability of, of acreage holdings and glasshouse brands, which um, uh, they've been following here, they issue debt with no or little equity linkage, um, which is kind of surprising, but explainable. So the key is that the credit market's starving for yield. So Glasshouse issued a price of 890 basis points over treasuries. I just in, uh, interviewed Glasshouse brands for Seeking Alpha. Uh, that was kind of a really interesting interview, a little bit over an hour. Um, what we're seeing though is investors being paid sizable premiums for taking cannabis risks. So that top tier of cannabis credits better than you know a triple C um, high yield index, for example. So cannabis debt heading long-term, where's it going? The development in the U.S. with high-yield market is instructive. So credit ratings, they're fundamental to the development of the market. Uh, there's a lot of funds that have limits to the amounts of unrated debt that they can hold. So uh, an augmented SAFE Act with cover for uplistings to major U.S. exchanges is probably a prerequisite for that. Um, so that means that uh, OTC markets is probably not going to be rated. Anybody who's in kind of a higher bracket will have credit ratings, uh, and that'll help to develop um, sort of like, you know, the Morningstar ratings on whether or not you should invest. Is it risky? Is it not? So looking at that standardization of loan and bond structures, documents, covenants, all become more standardized as they did in the high yield mid-80s, um, increasing that facilitation and trading that liquidity. So... There's some bifurcation, like high yields, larger issues. You have, um, you're going to uh, migrate towards public capital markets through that uh, public issuance. You have less than 100 million to remain the providence or, or uh, private placements. There's a lot of SPACs that we're seeing. SPACs and cannabis have been getting a pretty bad rating because there's been so much. And we'll, we'll talk about SPACs on another episode here coming up. Derivatives uh, are interesting. So you have collateralized default securities, uh, collateralized uh, debt obligations, CDS, uh, more listed equity options to facilitate credit hedging and transparency, public-private debt trades. Um, so there's going to be some market transparency. Uh, I would also look at uh, you know foreign stocks. So anything that's five digits ending in F might not be DTC eligible. They might not have a registered um, uh a registered transfer agent, 
meaning that there may be an additional $75 buy and sell if your brokerage firm even allows for that to trade. That's another thing. Uh, companies are going to have to have registered transfer agents. It'd be DTC eligible. Otherwise, people aren't going to invest in them at all. So uh, what does this all mean? All in all, wrapping this all up, it means that this industry is shifting, that there is a lot more money coming in, especially in the U.S. People know that Canada's bloated. There's too much money over there. Their um, stock prices is, is inflated due to speculation and lack of options. So that's going to create a massive shift down in here uh, for debt issuance until they become publicly traded. And then we see that whole speculation start all over again. You're just going to have to come back to the talking edge and find out. With that, we're going to roll this one up. I'm Josh Kincaid. This is The Talking Hedge. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe, or don't, and I'm out. Don't forget to smash that like button on your way out and check out these other videos that we've got. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Season 1 of Dope History is now available at dopehistory.com. Dope History weaves you through the lives of those who have been touched by cannabis or have had an influence on the events that shaped our laws or relationships with this plant. You'll hear tales from Frenchie Cannoli, Keith Strop, Eddie Lepp, Tom Alexander, Ed Rosenthal, Wolf Seagull, Jorge Cervantes, and Tommy Chong. Available now at dopehistory.com.